From time to time, families will ask me to do a funeral service for them, for somebody uh, that has passed in their family um, that's not connected to our church or maybe not connected uh, to me personally, somebody that I don't know. And one of the first funerals that I ever did was for a man uh, that I didn't know. I'd never met him before. His, his granddaughter attended our church at the, at the time, but the rest of the family did not have a church home. So they asked me if I would do the service, and I agreed to do it. And when I do a service for somebody, that, especially somebody that I don't know, I try to get as much information about it because I want to make it personal. I want to make it uh, personal to them and not just a generic uh, message about comfort or peace or something like that. And so I try to get as much information. Was the person a follower of Jesus? What did they like? What are some of the special memories or stories that the family has on the individual? Uh, what was their favorite scripture? And, and this funeral service that I did, the guy was a huge, and I'm talking huge, Elvis fan. All right? A few, huge Elvis fan. And so he had said before, he goes, when I pass, I want, I want Elvis played at my, at my service. And when Elvis played at my service, you know, Elvis has a lot of appropriate um, music for a funeral. Peace in the Valley, right? There will be peace in the Valley for me someday. Mansion over the hilltop, that's one of the Elvis' songs. If we, if we never meet again, right? That, that's a, a, maybe some of his classic hymns that he sung, stuff like In the Garden, great funeral song, Amazing Grace, how great thou art. I mean, all incredible funeral songs that we play. In fact, we played a lot of those songs during that funeral. But at the very end of the service, I close in prayer. I explain to the church, uh, that a congregation that had gathered, that uh, the guy was a huge Elvis fan. And then I step down to stand at the head of the casket. For the pass by, you know, where everybody comes by and they pay their final respects. And so as I, as soon as I get in place, all of a sudden I hear the chord strike and this is what happened. You ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound. Okay, right? Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So, so I mean, this guy put the fun in funeral, right? He put the fun in funeral. The gas, the, the looks of shock, the laughter was absolutely priceless. You know, there's a scripture that I read many times when I'm um, doing a funeral. If you've ever heard me do a funeral, you probably heard me read the scripture. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. You know, to me, that's an oxymoron in Scripture. What do I mean by that? How can grief be coupled with hope? Grief is most often associated with the loss of a loved one, with the death of a loved one, but any loss can, can cause grief. The loss of a dream, the loss of an opportunity, maybe a job that you didn't get or a business deal that didn't go through. Maybe the loss of your career, maybe a major move where you move from one community to another or one state to another, maybe a change in the season of your life. Last summer, I really began to think and process about grief. The last two years have really been a season of loss 
in our church family and, and in our world. I mean, we lost our sense of normalcy when COVID-19 happened and the, all the unknown protocols and different things surrounding that. People that once sat next to us here in church are now watching online because of their own personal health and, and safety reasons. As a pastor, I didn't really grieve the loss of the numbers that went on our attendance sheet. I, I grieved the loss of the people that I didn't get to interact with every week. We also lost several dear people to our church family who either moved to out of state or who made the ultimate move to heaven. I've done more funeral services in the last two years than I probably did the previous five. I watched several of our leadership team and those in our church family lose people who were incredibly close to them. Personally, I was kind of processing the idea of Maddie moving to college in fact, it was really on the way back from dropping her off at college that I had a revelation. One of my close friends who had told me about the time that he had dr driven his daughter to college and dropped her off, and he made a three-hour trip back home, and he said, Rusty, I, I cried uncontrollably the entire way home. So guess what? I'm an emotional guy. You guys understand that. You've been around me enough, I, I'm, I'm an emotional guy. And I totally anticipated that I was going to cry for three hours straight on the way back home. Like, I, I figured I was going to have to pull, pull on the side of the road and all of that. And I, I was anticipating that wave of emotion. So when we closed the door of her dorm room that day, that's when it, it really hit Sasha. If you've ever seen the movie, the motion picture, The Incredibles, there's a scene in there where Elastigirl thinks that Mr. Incredible is having an affair and she's weeping in front of their super suit designer, Edna. And Edna looks at her and, and, and she's like, what are you talking about? You are Elastigirl. Get yourself together. I mean, like, if you've, if you've seen the movie, you understand what I'm talking about. And I felt in that moment that I was Edna and Sasha was Elastigirl. And I'm like get yourself together we can break down when we get to the car but we've got to keep it together right now because we don't want Maddie's uh, new friend seeing us breaking down right here and so we get to the car and and uh, we're both in tears we're both crying and uh, we we uh, I, I decided look I've got to have some comfort food so I drove through Andy's frozen custard because uh, frozen custard always makes things better right and uh, Sasha didn't want any. She's like, I don't, I don't want anything like that. And so we did not, I, I'm seriously, we didn't talk from Waco probably to I-20 in Dallas. I mean, it was, it was complete silence. All you could hear was the occasional round uh, of tears. But I'll be honest, I was, after finishing my Andes, I was feeling a little guilty because I wasn't like my friend who just was uncontrollably crying the entire way. So I'm processing my feelings, I'm processing my emotions, and that's when it hit me that I had really been grieving for months, maybe even years, that moment. In 2019, we were sitting at the high school graduation at Gerald Primp Stadium watching some of our kids from our student ministry graduate, and, and Maddie turns to me and she says, you know, in two years, that's going to be me, Dad. I want smacker right there. Instead, I immediately began to cry. And that was a moment that I began, it really hit me, that I began to, to grieve 
the loss that was coming. As the days and weeks leading up to her graduation would start, I would just randomly start weeping. Last summer, we're driving down I-30, coming back from Dallas, a a shopping trip, one of our last shopping trips, and I'm just driving down the road, and everybody's, you know, talking in the car, and all of a sudden, it hits me, and it's a little dark at night, and and tears just start flowing down my face. Sasha looks over at me, and she's like, like are you okay? <laughs> like, and, and I'm like, you know, I didn't want to say I'm crying because Maddie's leaving here in a couple of weeks and, and, and we're, we're all going to miss her. We, 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 I was grieving that process. On the other hand, for Sasha, she didn't allow herself to grieve until that door closed. Until the door closed. So what, what the door closing for me was different than the door closing for her. For me, it brought some closure to the, to the idea For Sasha, it was the beginning of the process of grief. The second revelation I had was that I had not only been grieving Maddie moving away, but I had been in a season of grief because of COVID-19, because of losing some amazing people from our church family, because of walking in and seeing my whole office, you know, underwater. And I had to grieve the loss of of some different things there and, and just the sense of normalcy and everything. And now that the moment was gone for me of Maddie closing the door, I felt like, you know, I can really move forward. And it was during this season I really sensed the Lord began to speak to me about doing a series on grief. My heart was really to help our church family process the grief that many had faced in the last two years. Then on October the 26th, when I received the call that my dad had passed, I experienced a whole new level of grief like I'd never experienced before. In fact, one of my early assumptions was the thoughts that I had on grief was really preparing me for that moment. What I'd learning, what I'd been learning was really only for me. It wasn't until a trusted counselor prophetically said to me, "What you're learning is going to be a series at your church." that I knew that what God had spoke to me in the summer before my dad's passing was still true and that I still needed to communicate the things that I had learned on grief. Here's what this series is not going to be. It's not going to be a pity party. It's not going to be a repeat of a funeral service. It's not going to be my personal therapy session. It's not going to be a look at our, only our past. My hope is that we laugh a little. My hope is that we love well. And my hope is that we learn a lot. You know what? There's going to be tears. And guess what? Let me just tell you, that's okay. But I want you to leave knowing that you can grieve with hope. Whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's the loss of a dream, whether it's the loss of an opportunity, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a change in the season of your life, you can breathe again and you can find hope in your grief. You know, Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah 
In Isaiah 53, he makes some descriptive statements about Jesus. You've, you've heard it. We quote Isaiah 53, 5 all the time, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. But if we go back just two verses of Scripture in Isaiah 53, 3, it says that Jesus was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. He t- we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Jesus, being described here as a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Bottom line is this, is he knows what we're going through because he went through it himself. You say, how did Jesus experience grief? Let me, let me open up the scripture today and, and show you how Jesus experienced grief. Will you pull out your notes today? Would you grab a pen? Would you write it down if you want to go to www.connectedhope.com and follow along on the Bible app? You just click that Bible app and bring up the sermon notes for today. But I want you to see how Jesus experienced grief in scripture. Number one is he dealt with grief based on rejection. John chapter 1 verse 10 says he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. The very people that Jesus came to save rejected him. The very people that he came to save rejected him. The religious leaders of the day who had taught about the coming Messiah, who were anticipating his coming, were the very ones that fought against him, the very ones that rejected him. The second thing I want you to see here is that he dealt with grief based on betrayal. Betrayal. We've all seen the movies or the TV shows where the trusted friend turns out to be a mole or turns out to be the person that's like an enemy agent. Can you imagine Julius Caesar? He was faced with that as he, as he saw his trusted friend Marcus Brutus in, in the group of assassins who came to kill him. William Shakespeare uh, made famous the line, et tu Brute, which means you too, Brutus, as being the words uttered by Caesar upon seeing his friend. Some historians say that Caesar said nothing with even one going so far to say that the only thing that he did was pull his, his toga over his head when seeing his young friend and protege among his attackers. Betrayal. This could be the slanderous words of a trusted friend. It could be the broken trust when something you said in confidence is now the family or the office gossip. You know, Jesus dealt with betrayal. If you look at Matthew 26, verse 47, it says, And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor Judas had, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. And then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. See, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. The third thing there is that he dealt with grief based on disappointment. See, being fully God, Jesus knew the path that he was walking. 
He knew that the the people that would betray him, he knew the people that would disappoint him, but being fully human means that he experienced the grief that came from that disappointment. I want us to look at Luke's account uh, of Peter's denial in Luke 22, verse 60. It says, but Peter said, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. See, what hits me about Luke's account of this story that's different from Matthew and different from Mark's is that the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He knew. He knew what Peter had just done, and he was dealing with the disappointment of that. It had to sting. He knew it was going to happen, but it still had to sting. The fourth thing is is that he dealt with grief based on loss. In John chapter 11, we see the loss of a close friend in Lazarus, and we'll, we'll talk about that more here in just a moment. But in Matthew 14, we see the story of John the Baptist's death and and Jesus' reaction and how Jesus dealt with the grief of losing a family member. Again, we'll look at that again here in just a moment. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see his mothers, his mother, and his brothers. We see his mother and his brothers. Do you know who's not there? His dad. We don't see Joseph at all. The last time that we see Joseph is when Jesus stayed at the temple and his parents couldn't find him. And so we don't don't see him again at all during Jesus' adult years. The last time we see him is when he was like 11, 12 years old as a kid at the temple. The limitation of the Joseph material to Matthew and, and Luke has led some scholars to speculate that Joseph possibly significantly older than Mary at the time of their marriage, died sometime after Jesus' 12th year and before the beginning of his ministry. This hypothesis gained strength from the fact that Mark, mentioning nothing of Jesus' life before his baptism, nowhere mentions Joseph. So if this is true, then what we know is that Jesus lost a parent before he turned 30. At somewhat a young age, Jesus is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. So how did he respond to that? How many know we can learn from Jesus, right? If he's the perfect example, how did Jesus respond to grief? Write this down. Number one, he showed emotion. In the story of Lazarus, We see Jesus show emotion. If you look at John 11, verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 says, Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? 
There's two emotions that we see Jesus show here. One, he, he was angry. There was a little bit of anger in him because he's seeing everybody grieve and what in the process that's going on and, and, and he knows what's about to happen, but there's a little bit of anger. The second thing is there, there's a genuine brokenness. His friend Lazarus is dead. He has died and he's, he's weeping at the fact of, of the emotion of, of the moment. You know, we're going to deal with emotion more throughout this series, but I want you to understand something that Jesus showed emotion. The second thing is, is he wanted to be alone. If you look at the story of Ma in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it says this, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. He wanted to go off by himself, but the crowds heard where he was, he, he, he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And so the crowd showed up, and Jesus was back in action, even though he went to be alone. It, if we continue on with the story, it says that he had compassion on them, and, and he healed their sick. Then, then that's the story of the feeding of the 5,000 that, that we see happen there. But Jesus, he wanted to get away. If you want to look at the old Southwest Airlines, want to get away. Jesus wanted to get away. He wanted to be alone. And this was a habit that we see throughout his ministry of getting a, a, away. Why? So that he could pray and so that he could be restored and refreshed. And so that he could allow the Lord, the God, the Father to minister to his spirit, to lift him up. And so he wanted to get him away. Another way that Jesus grieved was he surrounded himself with his trusted friends. See, see, some people think that you can only be alone or that you need people around you. Jesus shows that sometimes we need both. And if you look at Matthew 26, verse 37, it's in, it, it's, in the, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says this, he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. Some scholars believe that, that, Jesus, that this was a sign that Jesus was, was showing signs of depression here. And he told them, listen to these words. These are not mine. These are red letters. So if you're following along, you got a red letter edition. These are red letter words, meaning they are the words of Jesus. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Right before he was facing the betrayal of Judas, right before he was facing the disappointment of the denial of Peter, and right before he's facing the reality of his own death, he is full on grieving. There's a weight here. There is a weight here, a heaviness, if you will. And Jesus is dealing with that weight. He's dealing with that heaviness. He says, my soul is crushed with grief. And he wanted his friends there to lift him up, to pray with him, to, to just surround him in that moment, to help him walk through and process what he was dealing with and what he was going through, to be there to go to battle with him. And the fourth thing that we see here is that Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38 said, He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, 
If it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Here's what I've seen in life is that so many people turn away from God during their moments of grief. It's not fair. It's not fair. Why why would a holy God allow this to happen to me? Why would God take my spouse? Why would God take my my father? Why would God allow these things to happen to me? Why would God take my mother? Why would God allow these things to happen to me? Why would a holy God of love allow this to happen? And we can't make sense of it. Let me tell you, if you try to make sense of life and not live a life of faith, you're going to be trying to make sense every day of your life because life just doesn't make sense sometimes. So many people turn away from God in their moments of grief. But God wants us to run to him. God wants us to turn to him. Here's the thing, and I want you to understand this this morning, church. Get real with God. Get real with God. Don't, don't hide your feelings. God understands them. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He knows what you're going through. He understands the grief that you're going through. So if you're mad, tell him you're mad. God, I'm ticked off right now. I don't know how that you could take my, my family member away from me. I don't know how you could take my dream job away from me. I don't know how you could take this opportunity away from me. God, I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm angry. Tell him. He already knows. So why are you hiding it from him? You want to cry? Cry. You're not, going to, you're not going to shock God. Why? Because I'm sure Jesus shed a few tears because we see it in John eleven thirty five. He wept. He wept. He cried. So why are you holding back your emotion from God? Because God knows what you're going through. You need to give it to him. You need to let him walk through that. So he taught us that. He went to be alone, to be refreshed. He went and he prayed. He surrounded himself with trusted people who could lift him up, who could help him. He understands the pain and the grief and the stuff and the junk that we deal with here. He knows what we're going through. He didn't want the cup of suffering that was heading his way. He didn't want to die on the cross. But he said, not my will. Your will be done, God. And he committed himself and his life to the will of the Father. Shortly after my dad's passing, one of Sasha's co-workers handed her a book, and within a week I got the same book from another friend who mailed it to me in the mail. And as I was reading it, I'll be honest, there was part, part of me like, I got so many good resources during this season, and, and, and so part of me, as I set some of them aside, knowing that someday I was going to prepare, and I just focused on one or two, two resources. And this was one of the resources that I, I began to bring out, and, and I thought this was just great, but it's Kenneth Hawk in his book, A Time to Grief. He refers to the three ends of grief. I want to I give them to you this morning. Number one, grief is normal. It's normal. It's normal. Everybody say normal. normal. It is normal to grieve. 
because it is how people respond to a significant personal loss. It's normal to expect people who've lost someone they love to be deeply affected by the loss. The second thing there is that grief is natural. It's natural. It's a completely human thing for us to do. We can't avoid grief. You're not going to avoid grief in this life. As I told you, grief comes in different ways. Anytime there's a loss in your life, anytime you suffer a loss, it it doesn't have to be this big, uh, like a, a parent or a child or a spouse or grandparent passing away. It doesn't have to be this big death. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of a a neighbor that you you care about. Every time we've moved, we've suffered grief. When, I, when we moved here, we grieved the people that we had to leave. Not because of like we wanted to go back. We knew that God was moving us here, but we understood something is that those relationships would never be the same. And so there's a grief when you, when you move. There's a grief when you change jobs because guess what? Even if you're changing jobs in the same town, no matter how, much, how many times people say, oh, we're still going to get together for coffee and we're, gonna, we're still going to... Uh, no, it doesn't happen. Come on, you guys understand that. It doesn't happen. Why? Because we get busy in our new life. There's, there's new things. We have a new routine. There's new, new things that happen. And so there's a grieving process for a lot of things in life. And as you go through that, you need to understand you're not going to be able to avoid grief. It's natural. We are, listen to me this morning, church, created to grieve. Just as we're created to love, we love. And when we lose someone that we love or we lose something that we love, we're going to grieve. Grieve is also, write this down, it's necessary. Grief provides a healthy way to cope with the loss and everything that that loss means to us. If you try to ignore your grief, it doesn't work. All you're going to do is delay it. If you ignore your grief, all you're going to do is to delay your grief to where all of a sudden something's going to happen and it's going to trigger you. And when that happens and it triggers you, you may be in public, you may be in a public place, and, and it's, going, it's, it's going to happen. There, there is a grieving, a natural grieving process. How long does it last? I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know. There are still moments that I have there's still moments of, uh, that I have of, of grieving some of the losses that, that, we've, that we've faced in the last couple of years. Whether it's one of the people that have moved on that I, 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 get, I get a little sad, I get a little emotional when I think about, you know, those that have had to move to another state or those who have moved on to be with the Lord. I, I still, there's, there's been moments when Maddie comes home that as she's, as she's pulling out uh, uh, the driveway, I'm I'm in the I'm in the driveway and I've got tears rolling down my face. I'm not I'm not ashamed. Is it why? Because I love her and I'm grieving. I want all my 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 ducks in the house. You know, I want everybody home. I I can look out I can look out out for them when they're at the house. 
There's still moments when I, I grieve the loss of, of my father. And it's, it is in those simple moments where it could just be something that triggers me in that moment. And I try not to draw attention to myself, but I'm not ashamed if the tears are flowing down my face. Because it's necessary. It's necessary for us to process. It's necessary for us to go through that grieving process. We're going to grieve because it's normal, it's natural, and it's necessary. And as followers of Jesus, we can find purpose in our pain. We can find hope in our grief. We can find comfort because he comforts us. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, and our team's coming up this morning, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this in. I'm, I'm bringing it to a close here. But it says, God blesses those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Let me say that again. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's no part, there's no part of, in the natural, there's no part of the grieving process that seems to be a blessing. I've stood at the head of a casket many times and never heard Elvis Presley played again from that funeral but I've watched as people have done that pass by and I've watched as some of them stop and rush right past the moment I've watched as family members hold tightly to the hand of the deceased that's inside, maybe even leaning over the casket and kissing him on the forehead one more time. I've watched his, his, his tears f- f- fall down their face. I've watched as some have been literally, you have to pick them up and move them from that moment because they are crushed with the weight of grief. Everybody processes it differently. And in that moment, it doesn't seem like it's a, there's a blessing in grief, that there's a blessing in mourning. But I'm going to tell you, there is a blessing in mourning. And it's because we do not, as believers, don't grieve with no hope. Because the hope that we can grieve with is the hope that our Savior and that our, our, our Lord and then the God in heaven is going to send the Spirit to be our comforter. That when those moments when tears are falling down our face, that there's a peace that transcends our all understanding that will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus because there's something about the love and the grace and the mercy of God that He understands what we're going through. He's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief and He's walking us through that moment. And so God blesses us when we mourn because we will be comforted so I don't know where you're at in your process some of you may have walked in today and you've lost a mom and Mother's Day for you is a day that you that you don't particularly look forward to because it's a reminder it's a reminder that you can't pick up the phone and call your mom today. It's a reminder that you can't 
text her or that you're not buying a present for her, that you're not having dinner with her. It's a reminder. And so today you're feeling a sense of loss. But let me encourage you today, my friend. The Holy Spirit is here to bring comfort for you. You can breathe again. You can breathe again. I'm not saying you'll never experience grief, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to experience grief knowing that God is with you and that God's going to wrap his arms around you and give you hope today. And you can find that hope in your grief. You can find that hope in your pain. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. Maybe you're here in this room and you say, Pastor, I don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. My hope today is that, that you don't walk out of this place the same way that you came in. My hope today is that you don't tune out the same way that you tuned in. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The reason a Christian can grieve with hope the loss of another Christian is because we know that this world is not the end. If the last breath is it, if the last breath is it, then, there's, then that's, that, that's where the turmoil comes in. But knowing, 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 knowing that someday again I'm going to see my dad. Knowing someday again we're going we're, we're gonna to be together. Knowing someday that, that, that there's, there's those losses, those temporary losses that we experience here on earth. Knowing that, that what I had to, the, the, when I grieved, when I came in that day and I saw this church flooded. And the guy said, Pastor, would you open up your door? We need to get into your, into your office. And I said, I, I can't do it right now. I wasn't emotionally prepared what I, for what I was going to see on the other side. I, 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 needed, I needed some space. And these, these guys, they, they gave me some space. And in a few minutes, I opened it up and to see what I was going to see. And there was some loss and there was some pain. But now when I see the, the, the other side of it, and see how amazing and how incredible the, the remodel is. And, and now to even to say, to, to, to hear how this is going to benefit us as we make the transition, all of that was worth it. And I'm going to tell you, when I get to heaven and I see my master face to face, I'm going to know that every bit of grief that I, I went through on this earth was worth it because I'm with him and I'm in his presence. And, and to, to live as Christ, to die, as the New Living Translation says, is even better. It's even better. And so I grieve with hope knowing that someday I'm going to be with him again. But you can't have that same peace and that same hope if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you today, friend, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, in a moment I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if that's you and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive Jesus, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand today. We're going to pray a prayer of faith. If you're watching online today, would you put a comment or send Ben an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv? We want to pray with you as well. We want to believe with you as well. With your heads bowed and eyes closed today, if that's you, say, Pastor, I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
I'm ready to start a relationship with him. When I say three, would you raise your hand today? One, two, three. Anybody in this room? Anybody online today? Then I'm gonna invite everybody to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed today? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front for this moment. But I do want to pray with you today. I just sense in my heart that there's, there's somebody in this room that you've been grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's not just a person. It could be, a, it could be something that you've lost in your life. And you blame God. And there's a sense of anger and frustration at him today that you've been dealing with it. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. The band's going to sing this song here in just a moment. And they're going to lead us in worship. But before they do, I want to, I want to pray with you. Say, Pastor, I, I've been mad at God for this loss in my life. And I've been frustrated with him. If that's you today, I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. Come on, anybody in this room, anybody online. Father, I, I just sense in my heart that there's somebody that's dealing with anger and frustration towards you. I ask right now, God, that you bring healing, that you bring peace, that you bring comfort. God, I pray that your sweet Holy Spirit would wrap your arms of love around them and let them know that you're near because your word says that you're near to the brokenhearted. God, I pray that there would be healing that begins in them. God, that they wouldn't look to other things. They wouldn't look to substance. They wouldn't look to relationships. They wouldn't look to distractions to fill the void, but that they would turn to you. That they would turn to you in this moment of grief and pain and they would give it to you so that they can experience they can experience the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory that only comes from you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
And all God's people said, amen. Come on, would you worship with us today? Would you sing this song with us today as an anthem that God can take our, 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 our troubles, He can t- take our graves and turn them into gardens, He can take our rough situations and turn them into something good, He can take those, those things that were meant to be valleys and put us on the mountaintop, God can take the rivers, the dry, the, the, the seas and turn them into a dry ground so that we can walk through, this is something that God wants to do inside of you. And, Friends, I'm encouraging you today. Let's let's take our pain and make it into a purpose for God to use for His glory. Come on, Tisha, would you lead us today?
So I'm going to ask you at some point in the next day or two, I'm going to, I'm going to share a link to this message, to this series where when you, when you play it from YouTube, it's going to play right when the message starts. And so I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask if you see that, you see that on our social media page, would you, would you share that? Would you push that out there? Because I believe that there are people that maybe never come into the church maybe they attend another church that are dealing with with this subject and it's it's one that we don't talk a lot about in church I mean it's not like hey everybody let's come and do it you know we're gonna you know uh, we want to get excited we want to have you know a good time and talk about some things but we don't want to talk about others but we deal with them and it's reality it's where we live and so I'm gonna ask you to help me to help others because I believe that the Lord's got something in store for us amen Amen. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Before I do, uh, we're going to be out in the, in the hallway there. Ladies, please stop by. We have a gift for you. We want to uh, put that in your hand today and just uh, tell you. And listen, if you're 18 or older, this is for you, all right? So you say, well, I'm not a mom yet. Yeah, it's the key word. Because here's the thing. I've known some people who never, ever had children, that, and they, they were still mamas. They took care of other people, and they, they, you know, they, they helped them out, and, and they had that mothering spirit. And so I just want to bless you all today. And so we're, we're going to be out in the hallway uh, passing those out today. Again, if you're online, if you'll go to connectedhope.com, and, and you will uh, fill out that connection card today, uh, then tomorrow. Uh, now this is Sunday, so if you, if you do this later in the week, I'm not sure we'll have anything left for you, but definitely if you'll do it today, we'll make sure that you get something uh, in, in, uh, in the mail uh, today as a way of thanking you for joining us online for Mother's Day. Amen. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Father, thank you for this church family. God, your word declares that you bless us when we mourn, for we will be comforted. And I pray, God, as we walk through a grieving process, whatever whatever that loss is, that you would help us to walk through it with hope. I pray today that you would bless your church, bless them and keep them, make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.